Our sixth lesson for this Christmas Eve is found in the Gospel of John, chapter 3, verses 16 through 18. We become God's children through faith, that is, by trusting in God's rescue plan, which cancels the alienation caused by our rebellion. This lesson is also the basis for tonight's more extended meditation on God's love. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. The one who believes in him is not condemned, but the one who does not believe is condemned already, because he has not believed the name of the only begotten Son of God. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Your fellow friends of the Christ child, at Christmas you find out who really loves you and how much. Is that true? Imagine a scene late on Christmas morning. The tree is still standing with only a few broken ornaments, but the rest of the large living room looks like a number, number of small tornadoes have passed through and lingered. In one corner of the room, two older couples are sitting very uncomfortably, looking across a, a coffee table at each other, obviously struggling to find things to talk about. A few other younger adults are scattered around the room, some in quiet conversation, others pointedly inspecting gifts they have received, everyone seemingly trying to ignore what is happening just outside in the hallway, where a man and a woman are each accusing the other of blowing up a carefully choreographed Christmas celebration by breaking the agreed-upon rules, and isn't that just like you to do that, you unthinking, selfish idiot? I should have listened to my parents and never married you in the first place. And next to the tree... Barely visible among the open boxes, torn paper, and other detritus of the holiday are two boys, ten and six years old, surveying the morning's hall, mountains of gifts just for them. Far from ignoring what's happening with his parents, grandparents, and assorted aunts and uncles, the elder points it all out to the younger and says, with a greedy gleam in his eye and the self-assured wisdom of an experienced big brother, at Christmas you find out who really loves you and how much. Now imagine another scene on the other side of town. It's late on Christmas evening. A woman is waiting for her dinner to be done in the microwave and has just decided that that bottle of wine that she'd been saving for company might as well keep her company over dinner. She catches her reflection in the kitchen window and says, Merry Christmas, Rhoda. I don't look that bad for 46, I guess. Not that it really matters anyway. On her refrigerator are 27 Christmas cards from assorted relatives and friends. She, she counted them. And all of them were signed, Love, Nancy. Or love Uncle Ralph and the kids. Or love Lucy. Or whoever. The ones from her siblings included pictures of her nieces and nephews. So cute and growing so fast. 
And sometime in the next few days, she knows, she'll hear all about their Christmas dinners and other celebrations. And once again, no one asked her if she was free for the holiday. She hadn't had to work through it for years, not since she changed jobs. What is worst, and what brings a tear to her eye again when she remembers it, was talking to her best friend from college the day before, who lives only 15 minutes away. And she was talking about the dinner that she was planning that was so big she couldn't even remember how many places to set at the table. And her friend didn't get the hint, or maybe she did, when Rhoda said, Hey, if you need any help in the kitchen, just let me know and I'll be there. Rhoda sighs, pops the cork, and says as she pours, Out loud, at Christmas, you find out who really loves you and how much. Being loved at Christmas means different things to different people because different people look for different kinds of love and people love in different ways. We're all familiar with empty love. That's little more than happy talk and good wishes, like, like the pop star or the TV host saying, you've been great, I love you all. Just imagine how it would go if you showed up at the stage door and said, hey, can I borrow your car? Can you float me alone? Or even, can I spend the holidays with, at your house? After all, you said you loved me. Sadly, we sometimes get the same kind of empty love from people we actually know and have relationships with. There's also the self-centered, I love you, which really means you make me feel good, or I get something I like from you. The boys, seeing the the present receiving advantage of a fractured family, understood that kind of transactional love on both ends, the, the love that they declared for their family members to get stuff and also the way that those family members used their gifts of love to declare themselves better or more caring than the others. A slightly more meaningful kind of love we might call uncommitted. You feel genuine affection for the other person, but that's about as far as it goes. You're not going to risk anything, give up anything, or change anything in your life, but but you really do like him or her. And it can be nice to be on the receiving end of this kind of love, but, but you can't rely on it, and it might not even be there tomorrow. That's not the case with what I'm going to call real love. Money where your mouth is love, committed love, giving love, sacrificial love. This kind of love is what Rhoda longed for, what we expect from parents, what we look for from our spouses, and and what we treasure when we find it in friends. So if I ask you to imagine a scene, another scene this time, this time around a manger in Bethlehem 2,000 some years ago, and I say to you this, this is how God loved the world. What kind of love do you think of? Now some, some will just assume that God's love, because they've heard about it so much but never seen much of it, they'll assume that God's love is just the empty kind of love. That He says, 
that he loves us maybe to be nice or something, but it doesn't really mean anything. Just, just look at the shape the world is in, they might say. If there is a God and he really cares, he would make things better. And I don't see him doing that. So either there is no God at all, or he isn't really loving. Others might peg God's love as the self-centered kind, that, that he declares his love to us because he gets something out of it, our obedience, our worship, or, or, or something that just makes him feel good. Or perhaps they say he does feel real affection for the world, but but not enough to really get involved and make a difference, at least not in, in your life or mine. But that baby boy lying in the Bethlehem manger is all the evidence anyone could ever need to see that the love God had and still has for the world and for all the people in it is the real kind. And it really makes a difference. Because unlike all the other types of loving that we've talked about, what Jesus tells us that God did because of His love for us is that He gave. Gave not just the change in His pocket. Gave not some lightly used cast-offs from His basement. Gave not even costly items purchased from the finest of stores. No, God gave His Son. His only begotten Son. Do you know any loving human fathers who would do that? Even if a man had ten sons, he would never say, Oh, that one's extra. I guess if you need him more than I do, you can have him. Oh, and yeah, if he has to die, I'm okay with that. You wouldn't give up your son to even a close relative or friend or, or neighbor. If a doctor came to you and said that you could save the life of someone else's little boy by giving him your son's heart, well, you might feel bad about it, but you would not make that sacrifice. And you certainly would never give up your son for an enemy, for a scoundrel, or for an untrustworthy fool who cares only about himself. But that, that is precisely the kind of people that you and I are by nature. And that is precisely the kind of people God gave His only begotten Son for. And so that is precisely what tonight, what Christmas is all about. That little baby in the manger is God's gift to sinners. And that is what we all are, no matter how bad or how good you might feel about yourself today or any day. To be a sinner is to sin, and to sin is simply to choose your own will instead of God's will. And we do that all the time, usually without even thinking about it. The thing is, every time we do that, we offend the holy and almighty Lord and Creator of the universe. And that is not a small thing. From the very beginning, He has made clear that the price 
of such rebellion and disobedience is death. Not just physical death, but the eternal death that is permanent separation from God's love. Hell. Ignoring this deep and horrific reality doesn't change anything or or make it go away. But focusing all of our attention on it to do more good or less bad or otherwise try to convince God that we're worthy of heaven, well, that doesn't do any good either. We are slaves to sin, spiritually blind, and as capable of saving ourselves as a corpse is capable of running a marathon. That is why we need God's gift. And He loved us enough to give it. To give the only gift that could rescue us from the ruin that we have brought on ourselves. And this was real love. And it was much love. More than you or I could ever even imagine. Because that little baby that Mary placed in the manger did for you what no one else could do. He fixed what was wrong with us and what was wrong between us and God. He grew up and He did what His Father sent Him to do. He willingly went from lying in that manger to hanging on a cross where He paid the penalty for for your selfish choices and my laziness, your lies and my lusts, your faithlessness and my greed. The penalty that all these sins of ours deserved. The baby whose birth we are here to celebrate at Christmas took our place on Good Friday and offered His own perfect life and innocent blood as the price for every one of our sins so that God is now able to say, I forgive you. All of it. I no longer hold your guilt against you. Come and be my child forever. So that little baby, wrapped up not in paper, but in swaddling clothes, placed not under a tree, but in a manger, that little baby is the greatest gift you will ever be given. He saved your soul and made our world better with His coming. No matter what you unwrap later tonight or tomorrow morning, it will not compare. Jesus is the gift of forgiveness for those two brothers and their naughtiness and greed and for their feuding family. He is the gift of committed, caring, everlasting love for every Rhoda in her loneliness. He is the gift of peace for the troubled, joy for the grieving, fullness for the empty, and good news for the despairing. The Christ child is everything the world ever needed, and God gave him freely because he loved us. Now, is that kind of love for real? Can you believe it? Jesus says you can. In fact, he says God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son, that whoever believes in Him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Eternal life. What could be better? What could be better than knowing that when you leave this life, God will welcome you into His heaven. That you will live forever in a place without the pain and suffering and sadness and sickness of this world. There is no catch. 
Just believe in God's Son and you will not perish. So believe it and all is yours. The greatest gift from God who is the greatest giver. That is love. And when we know that kind of love, we can truly say and shout and sing from joy at Christmas we find out who really loves us and how much. God so loved the world. Amen.